Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, here on Anatomy Movie, we dissect Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows. That's right, April O'Neil is back, and so are the turtles, as well as Vern. And we get some new characters, Bebop, Rocksteady, and Casey Jones. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Anatomy of a Movie, where we dissect movies in depth. Um, today, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the 2016 version, not the 1990s version. Secret of the use. <laughs> That's right. Uh, as always, it's spoiler-filled, so if you haven't seen the movie quite yet, check back in once you have. Um, also, you can download our rundown in the description, so that way you can kind of follow along. We don't always touch upon every little thing, but there's a lot of great tidbits in there. Um, for you to kind of browse through and know what we've found, so that way you have it as well. We have Dimitri Panos. Hello, movie fans. How are you? That's right. He's DMovie1701 on Twitter. And we have that Zach Wilson in that booth over there. Hey, guys. I'm excited to talk turtles. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, I got to say... Turtle talk. Turtle talk, indeed. I got to say, overall, um, you know, the, the, the first movie to me wasn't that great, but it wasn't bad. And this one just delivered on what the turtles to me have always, just fun and things like that. No, it doesn't quite live up to the uh, the original. You know, I, I just love the live action one. I think that will forever be the best one in my mind, just because that's such a history. But this one was fun, and I know it's there was a couple of things that were iterated to the kids because um, you know I think they were drawing in that crowd, and I was like, okay, it's not for me because they're hitting this over the head. Right. Um, and if it was more of an adult movie, you cut some of that stuff out. But I didn't mind it. And I, the only thing was, my only complaint was I came out hungry because I wanted pizza. <laughs> so, you know, I enjoyed it. What yeah, I, I mean, hey, well, you can say that you enjoyed it. I, I think it's fine. You're in, a, you're in a safe environment here. Hopefully. Um, I, you know, I, uh, this movie didn't make me angry. Uh, I, I remember a couple of years ago when, when the first one had come out, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I grew up during the, the, the entire turtles uh fanfare comics um you know the cartoon and that first live action movie which you know you have to give props to that one because of the costuming they mm. really did come to life and at that time period it wasn't in a cheesy way and it brought the turtles to life uh and i thought they you know that first movie really captured the essence the first movie in this reboot um, somewhat captured the essence between our, our, our turtles, our pizza-loving turtles. Um, but I felt this movie was more of a throwback to that original movie and to the cartoon. Yeah. Um, they seem to have a little bit more fun now. Uh, and, and, you know, they were bringing in characters like Bebop, Rocksteady, uh, Casey Jones, but even, uh, uh, what is it, Krang, you know, who was such a staple uh, in Never the, in the comics, though. There wasn't in the but comics. But in the animated. Absolutely, the, the cartoon. Staple in the, in the animated, and it was never in the live action uh, that I recall either. Um, but I felt that they did a really good balance. It was an enjoyable movie. I get it. It's a family comedy action movie. My only complaint is that for me, it just ran a little too long. Mm -hmm. Ran a little too long. Got almost a little too talky in that middle period there. I wanted a little more turtle power. Got it. Say. Got it. And you know what? One of the things I will say about Krang, I love the fact that uh, for a long time, 
you know, when, once we finally get to the end and the turtles are there, they make fun of him. What is this, a piece of chewed up gum with eyeballs? Yeah. So yeah. I, I like that they call to it because it's always one of those things that I remember like, wait, uh, he looks weird. I want to know why there was never a total recall. Because uh, he's, 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 he's what, what, what's that character's in Quattro? Comes <laughs> out of the guy's chest. I want to know why there wasn't a, uh, uh, but maybe that reference would have gone over. How many uh, 12-year-olds do you think have seen Total Recall? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All of them, indeed. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it just, it just captured the spirit and, and, you know, the things that the first one got right, and um, they built upon that. And, yes. the, and the things that the first one got wrong, they got they rid fixed. of. So, Absolutely. so 100%. And, uh, you know, we, we, we knew this was happening after after the success of the first one. Two days later, Paramount's <laughs> is like, we're doing this. We're yep. going. Um, and so that that was to be expected. Zach, um, what did you what, what did you think of, uh, of this? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This, this uh, go around. You know, it was it had a lot of stuff that I I loved. I think similar to the first one, they they got the the turtles right. Mm-hmm. Like the voices of the turtles were spot on, like individually. Uh, as a movie, not so great. Uh, the script. I mean, the script was like just because it's for kids doesn't mean it has to be like bad dialogue. Um, so some of the dialogue was just like painful at times, but like. <laughs> The, but the characterization, the visuals were just fun to watch. And that's, I mean, mostly that's what, that's all I wanted to see. This was clearly, uh, like, there's a difference. Like, I will always love the first Turtles movie because it's a good movie to, at just beginning to end. It's a good movie on its own. It was an adaptation of the comic book. And it was a good adaptation of the comics. Uh, this is clearly an adaptation of the animated series. And they're very different things, but there's no reason that both can't exist. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, they had planned to have Bebop and Roxy in the first one, right. or they wanted to, but it just never worked out in that way. Um, that makes sense to me, though. I mean, yeah, it, was just, it would have been too much. You just need an origin story. Yeah. Um, and so, and ironically, Bebop and Roxy were supposed to be in uh, Secret of the Ooze, but uh, for whatever, uh, I forget, it was like a contractual negotiation thing. They, they couldn't actually use them. So hence we got, uh, I forget those two characters' names. Razor and, um, oh, I forget what the wolf was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I something, forget. Something ridiculous and silly. Um, indeed, and... You know, in, in terms of the development of all of this, uh, instead of Jonathan Liebsman returning to the project, um, they have Dave Green, the Earth to Echo director, who we'll talk about at greater length, um, you know, but but overall, needless to say, huge Turtles fan. And, and I think he delivered that into all of this. Yeah. Um, however, the writing team, Jonathan Applebaum and Andre uh, Nemec, they... They were a part of the original one. Right. And so they kind of, uh, you know, um, developed that. 
as it were. Well, and it it seems, too, that they did take a lot of, uh, let's call it constructive criticism, let's let's, you know, suggestion, you know, they saw the first movie and Paramount and the creatives um, looked at it and said, you know, you you can't deny its success, but it's like, okay, the fans are looking, you know, we want a little bit more of this. And what I really appreciate is that they, I I think under the, the direction of Dave Green, who is such a big fan, it almost seems that the writing seemed to, oh, okay, this guy yeah, he's a fan. He gets this. Um, you know, we're we're getting ten million more added to our what the budget for the first one is, and we're gonna have we're gonna we're gonna have a little more fun with this. Uh, we'll make it a little bit lighter in tone. Um, we'll get our turtle, you know, our, our turtles talking and eating pizza and doing their skateboarding, and we're gonna have the, the like the car. we're gonna incorporate a lot of these things that for many kids today they're watching the cartoon. You know, I, I know the comic is still popular, not at its height, but I think kids are more on that visual sense of they're going to watch the cartoon, they get it, they'll enjoy this movie more. And it just seemed a concerted effort. So let's work together because we all we're all fans of Turtles. And, and I think that shows on screen. Yeah. From, you from know, a writing aspect. Yeah. So, uh, you know, story wise, what I what I loved um, was just the opening sequence to me set the tone perfectly because you don't know okay where are they going there's something some sort of formation they're racing through new york you don't know to where oh and it's the next game mm-hmm. with pizza because with that's pizza. important to the turtles yeah absolutely. Uh, and you know it, it was such a great turn and reveal that it, it set it up perfectly and and from there i knew for whatever reason i knew i was in good hands yeah and yeah. that, that was the enjoyable part to me. It, it, it was fun. I mean, the thing that I think that, especially that sequence accomplished, that even, like, to a certain extent, the original set of movies never did, is that they actually felt like teenagers. Yes. As opposed to just, like, these are turtles who are ninjas. Like, these are actually, like, chill, like grown children. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not, like, just adults who are silly. Right. And there's a difference. Yeah, and I, I agree. They, they, they really did... The, the teenage aspect of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles really showcased in this. Again, mm. the opening scene, pizza and basketball. And we've got the greatest seats in the house. And they were so proud and happy. And, like, you know, they get to watch together and have fun at a live sporting event. which and is shoot spitballs. Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was, you know, and, and that's the, the kind of thing that this movie got right. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and... and Again, that and it also set the tone in, in that regard, right? Where um, Vern, we, we kind of get his backstory of the arrangement and stuff like that, and that's where that's where I also knew the tone was also going to be very much geared for kids because the you know the exposition was a little bit on the nose at that point. But again, I it, it just set it up in the right way for me, where I was like, okay, I, I don't mind it because it's masked. Um, at the very least, behind such comedic elements of the turtles, right? And 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 a turtle story doesn't have to be. When I go to a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, or if it's a cartoon or whatever, I'm not looking for the as the in depthness of like a Marvel type of a movie. Like this is definitely geared. Obviously, it's geared to a younger crowd. But where the original movies got worse, you know, and the stories became. You know, sillier, their budgets got slashed. This one, at least, it didn't get worse, but I think it became more playful, which I think mm. is good. 
um, you know, for however the franchise may decide to go. You know, it's cool that we talked about Dave Green um, being a fan because he, he, he was a fan. He watched the cartoon, uh, you know, with his friends after school. He was about eight or nine years old, and he felt that these characters were easy to connect with, and he totally wanted to breathe that kind of life and make the characters relatable, connectable to the kids today who are going to go watch the Turtles. And I think he did a really good job. We we I got a better sense of the brothers in this movie than I did from the previous one. Yeah, I mean, m- most people cite the, the elevator mm. scene from the first one. Had they had more of that? yes. That would have made that one for much more better. I mean, it just became the the backstory to the turtles was just so convoluted, mm-hmm. um, and they were trying to connect so many different things of Eric Sachs to April, April to the turtles. It just you didn't quite need it, and um, this time around we're just going on the journey and we're following them because we we don't need it. You know, right. we just need to know what they're about. Um, one of the you know we keep calling this kind of a kids movie, but um, might as well just talk about it now uh, real fast. It's rated PG-13, um, and News OK came out with um, Out of the Shadows rides a very fine line between PG and PG-13. Uh, it was probably a studio decision to drive for more of the marketable PG-13 rating, but I also imagine there were conscious decisions not to alienate likely viewers as well. In the uh, end, language and uh, language is the biggest factor for my 10 up and 10 up and up parental rating for Out of the Shadows. So it's interesting, you know, I mean, there's very little here that fully makes it a PG-13 movie. I mean, uh, the article cites very specific instances of harsher language. Um, But uh, Megan Fox's miniskirt is responsible Uh, for PG-13. It could very well be. (laughs) I could have gone home after that scene. um, (laughs) No, um, you know, I was trying to figure out Going in, I was trying to figure out what what makes this PG thirteen other other than other movies. You know, we talked about this at great length when we talked about the Jungle Book, mm-hmm. which I believe got a PG rating. rating. The last quarter of the Jungle Book is some of the most intense footage, chase scenes, like literally edge of your seat kind of things and i'm like going how do they distinguish like how is that how does that get a pg rating that, that's clearly like that's a very, that had kids like scared and, Good. and, and they I'm should watching, be scared well but again how do you distinguish between how does this become pg-13 is it truly like what zach said because we got megan fox in a catholic schoolgirls uniform or what what i was trying to even think what language was there? There, there was an, uh, there was like a curse word thrown out. I don't think it was. I don't was think it was shit. I, I, mean, I think it could have been uh, shit. You know, I, I think it could have been shit. So that gives it a PG. I don't. I, I feel like that would have stood out if they'd said that. Like I would have noticed that, and I don't remember them swearing. Zach, can you do me? A favor? Uh, I, I I'll try to look it up. Well, j- just uh, literally look up uh, News OK Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows, and it should be like the the third or second or. Maybe fourth paragraph. Yeah, I, again, I just always find we've talked about this ratings thing. I just always find it so crazy how the MPAA will distinguish. Again, I'll just go back to the Jungle Book, and I'm not knocking Jungle Book. I think it's one of the best this year. But again, the 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 last quarter of that movie is so intense. I'm like, really, as an eight year old should be seeing this, or or even the other scene in the Jungle Book when. Um, uh, when the yeah. villain 
takes the father in and like literally hucks him off a cliff. Spoiler alert. Well, I'm like. Don't worry, really? everyone's seen Jungle, but yeah. the, the numbers indicate. So. Yes, but I'm just saying, like, how they kept the PG rating, mm-hmm. and yet Turtles gets a PG-13. I'm like, for what? Like, this is just pure family comedy kids type of movie that there was, I didn't find anything offensive. I think, I mean, honestly, I think, I, I think it could have came down to... Um, Did Paramount not pay the MPAA enough? Listen, I mean, the Megan Fox scene, right? So might as well, let's talk about April. Um, sure, absolutely. You know, one of the Megan Fox says uh, of April this time around is, is the fact that uh, last time she was trying to prove something, you know, obviously to be a great news reporter. And now um, it's more about just doing good, let's say, right? Um, and so, you know, that, 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 that was a big shift in her character. And I thought, I thought it worked well. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, Here's the thing. I don't think we need more of April. I, I think she, she played the right amount in it because, again, if everyone's kind of perhaps saying, like, oh, they wanted to see a little bit more out of April, and the whole point was, no, you didn't because she did a lot more in the first one. We all disliked it. Right. I, my, only, my only issue there is I did wish we saw a little bit more of her reporting mm-hmm. because until the very end of the, the movie, I said, is she no longer a reporter? Like, did she quit? Like what? What? What sort of kind of happened there? She's on the spotlight um, team. She's <laughs> so you know, but in in, in a camera. Oh, at the very end, she's you know she's she's behind the she's you know in front of the camera again, uh, you know, with her team working. Um, but yeah, no, April was in the movie for just the right amount of time. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like you know, she she she's a friend of the turtles. She needed to be that bridge between uh, turtles and Casey Jones. And mm. I thought that was perfect. I thought that worked really good. Uh, I like the introduction of Casey Jones in this movie um, and who they had to play him. Um, you know, Steve, uh, Steve, Amell. Steve Amell, who, listen, I've been saying for a long time, why are we not farming? Like, why are we not growing these? The there are some great actors on. There are some very good. I should. There are some very good actors on TV who could handle action and maybe some other genres if just given the chance, because they do such a good job on their respective shows. Stephen Mell is one of these people, so it's good to see him. You know, it's good that he was able to find it in his schedule and work that out to be in this movie. It's a big movie. He's still being uh, an action hero, so to speak. He's no, uh, maybe he's no Elias Coteus from the original Turtles movie, but no, he he brings Casey Jones to life in a really solid way, and he's very believable, and he's funny. And and the scenes that he has with April O'Neil are really good, and she's that great bridge into introducing this character to the Turtles. I don't know. Casey Jones was the thing that I think I had the most problems with in this really? movie. Um and, I mean, a lot of it came down to just the way he was written, not necessarily Stephen Amell's performance. I like I liked Stephen Amell. Like, I, I, he's a good, uh, he, he's proven on Arrow that he's a very capable actor. But like, I want to be a police detective, Chief. It's my only dream. Like he kept just saying, and like they they wrote him almost like he was a teenager, um, as opposed to somebody who's like an adult and has been working like trying to get to a job. Like he was just r- given very childish language to use while he was talking well that, that, again that, that that's one of those things that i write off um you know they made it for the kids right i mean yeah. if you're a kid and you're kind of how do you 
learn about the motivation. I, I remember half the times the movies that I saw um, that were a little bit more adult. I, I didn't. I liked them, but I didn't understand what the hell the plot was. Yeah. This again, if you're a kid, I don't think you can confuse. Or certainly they've made it so that it's very hard to confuse it. Yeah. Go that's ahead. A Zach, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, it was just like I mean I guess there is a certain. It's a it's a tough line to walk, and it's tough to know where you need to fall for a kids movie because at a certain point, like I think that you can trust that kids will at least understand the base of where you're going. Like as you said, felt like you and en- you still enjoyed it even if you didn't quite grasp it all. Um, but he was just a little too. It, it was just a little too heavy for me, um, and it was just like he wasn't like. It, it, he there was he needed more work as far as like not just like I want to be a detective as his backstory but like what is it what are all the pieces it was just he was going sort of going through the Casey Jones motions hmm. um, I would have loved to like see him play hockey for a moment like as opposed to just like mention it briefly and then have this stuff in his the back of his car um, I think they just could have worked to develop his character more not necessarily be dark but be a little bit more engaged in like his story and what got him here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, I thought that Steve Amell played him really well, you know, to your point again, I wasn't, I'm not expecting out of a teenage Ninja Turtles movie like this to have great backstory revelation. You know, I thought it was fine the way, you know, I was glad that he was introduced. He's a very popular character. Um, it gives Steve Amell an opportunity to be in, in, a, in what it's a, a summer tentpole kind of a movie. And the thing is, is that he almost wasn't in the movie. Um, you know, he, he had a meeting with the producers, but it really wasn't. But it wasn't really about Casey Jones, he says, because there wasn't any chance at all. He says, with my arrow schedule that I'd be able to film a movie like this. So when we found out that I actually was going to be able to do it. And I got the go-ahead from Warner Brothers about finishing my start, uh, you know, and, and finishing and start dates for Arrow. I did a tape that afternoon. That was a Tuesday. And that Friday afternoon, I was testing with Megan Fox. Monday morning, I got a phone call from my agents. Uh, and, you know, you're going, and it was a good call. And, you know, they were like, you are to be expecting a Michael Bay phone call. And that was it. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, he goes from not being able to do a movie that it, 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 in all intents and purposes, it looked like he was looking forward to be a part of. And uh, yeah, the stars aligned for him. What, what's funny is um, I was listening to an interview that uh, Megan Fox gave on uh, K-Rock, uh, Kevin and Bean earlier this week, and she had no idea who Stephen Amell was when <laughs> she uh, did uh, chemistry tests with him. He just came and she's like, I didn't know you had a TV show until like people were like stopping them to like talk to him. Talk to him. That's awesome. That's awesome. That he was like a well-respected member of like the geek TV the, the geek community. TV. Absolutely. And he is. And, and you know, he's, he's, he talked about the dynamics on set and, you know, he, and he, he even went off and said, you know, it was a great time. And mm-hmm. and he felt like that guy who was coming in on a sequel where a chemistry is already established on set amongst your principals. And, you know, the, the he even goes, the boys who play the tur- turtles have to spend a lot of time together. And they were busting on each other all the time, always making fun of each other. He said, they started making fun of me by hour four of the first time I filmed with them. 
And he was like, "I that was great. I'm being accepted here. It was super quiet, standoffish. He goes, if it was super quiet and standoffish, he goes, I would have been worried. Mm -hmm. But he seemed to have been accepted, you know, within hour four. And you can tell there is that sort of kind of camaraderie on the set amongst your principal actors. I I do think that that is something that, yes, a 12-year-old boy isn't going to really pick up on that. But as you know, I did pick up on that watching this movie. Um, and, and Steve Mill obviously being there. Yeah, and I, th- I, think, I think he cited it as well. And then um, kind of uh, Megan Fox reiterates it like she, she is the mother hen. Yeah. In many ways, you know, and she says like she actually likes that role. Yeah. You know, because by default, she's oftentimes the only um, only woman there. Right. And, you know, and it kind of it mirrors her real life because obviously she, she's got now sons and, and whatnot and she's got a husband. So it's, so it's, she's just always constantly surrounded by boys. And so she's gotten used to that sort yeah. of um, dynamic. Yeah. Um, and she was a good woman in film. I, I don't recall in this movie that she was ever needing to be rescued or, you know, she could stand up and help uh, escape the, from a place. I mean, the, the only thing uh, she made Vern do it, um, fight the, the foot soldier. So people kind of cite that as she's weak. But, um, you know, it is. That, that didn't strike me as anything like anti-feminist. That was more like, I don't want to attack the ninja. Like both <laughs> of these people are unqualified to attack a ninja. She's not a That's trained fighter. Neither is he. Yeah. So it's like. I don't want to do it. You do yeah, you it. Do. <laughs> um, which, like, I, to me, that's treating everybody equally because that's how those characters should and would behave. I think so. Um, I think she did. They did. They did good uh, enough work, like trying to make it like she doesn't need anybody's help. Yeah. Like she stands yeah. up, like Casey Jones, like is like, no, I can do this myself. Like enough, and she's hitting people over the head with like a pipe wrench and or like a lead yeah. pipe, whatever she find, whatever she found in that alley. Yeah, and she's, that, like they treated her with respect. And she's the, the turtle's least. best friend. Too. So, you know, she's got that going for her. And, you know, she's their their conduit to society, so to speak. Uh, if you want to get, like, you know, getting metaphorically deep. But, no, I thought she was fine. It's, you know, they'll never look at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a movie that would showcase, you know, women. But she is a strong character regardless. And if there are girls who are going to this, you know, they're not going to see her as a, as, as a pushover. Yeah, yeah, God forbid they try to add Venus into this <laughs> that's the uh, the female turtle <laughs> i mean to be fair you know I, I i looked into it and you know april was to begin with she was never really that written as, as a strong character unfortunately i mean uh there's an episode in particular the Catwoman from channel six where uh, april investigates um dangerous matter and she becomes like half she becomes part cat <laughs> and uh the butt of the joke at the end is that um uh, April is safe and back to human form, and she feels, quote, awful because my nails are absolutely ruined from walking around in all fours. Raphael says, yep, she's back to being a woman, all right. <laughs> so, Ooh. again, again, this is this is the cartoon. So this is the source material that we're going off of. Right. It's, you know, um, it's not that far off. Yeah. I, I'll, I will admit, like, when they first, when they first announced the, the, the last movie, I was disappointed that they didn't go with um, the current comics iteration of April, who is a scientist, not a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And she worked in the lab that the turtles were in, that the ooze is being made. And it made it made for a very a much more interesting character. Um, but the new the modern comics are that darker tone that the originals right. had as well. So I understand not digging too deep into that. 
version of Has it. Has anybody watched the more modern cartoon? I, I haven't. I haven't. No, so, I haven't. No. But it, it, it's interesting you say that because in some ways they kind of went in that direction where the dad was the scientist and she was always hanging out the, in the lab. And so she knew a little bit of science. Yeah. Um, but obviously they didn't take it to the full extent of right. that. And, it, you know. Nothing more there yeah. beyond that. Yeah, it was an interesting way, like, when I first picked up that run um, to make her, like, a stronger character without, like, li- just making her physically stronger. Because that's not what that character is. Um, right. She's not a fighter, but it did make her interesting to read and powerful in her own way. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So back to the, I guess back to the question at hand: Was it too gratuitous the uh, the skirt shot of Megan Fox or not? I mean, by Michael Bay standards, no, it was no. pretty tame. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, by Michael Bay standards, man, he never met uh, one of his female actresses that his camera didn't love huh. uh, to to zoom around. But no, I didn't find it at all. They were even very. It was extremely even tame walking through uh, what, what appeared, I believe, it was Union Station in New York City, which, again, kudos because they pretty much filmed all of this movie within New York, which is, you know, unheard of great. these days. Unheard of. Yeah, they would have doubled Canada. And I was actually surprised they went to Brazil. Actually spent money to go to Brazil instead of just, let's find a place with a lot of trees here. <laughs> That we can use. But they went to Brazil. Um, But that scene I didn't find gratuitous at all. I mean, there were other girls, like there were other seemingly, they were probably in their 20s, I guess, all dressed up in the same type of uniform. And they seemed to be on some semblance of a scavenger hunt for school, I guess, that that she got wrapped up in. Um, The weird, like, let's take pictures with random dudes in Grand Central Station. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What weirdo suggested that game? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but Dimitri, I think you're right. Like, it it wasn't like she was just, that's like, it wasn't like they just put her in that costume. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what April O'Neil wears. It was like she, she put it on at least for a purpose, like something she was actively doing, like trying to go undercover. So, Yes, it was a little over the top, but it what we're, we're so I guess we're just so desensitized to it at this point from like her in Transformers uh, that it's like almost just like whatever this but is fine. I also gotta think like even when I was a little boy, like it didn't mean I was like not, I wouldn't notice something like that. Like like the, I wouldn't notice stuff watching Star Trek like. You know, a little boy might notice. Wow, well, that's a that's a girl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I didn't find it, but it wasn't exploitive. She got that information. Um, I liked her scene with with Baxter, mm-hmm. so, so to speak. That that was very funny. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little Tyler Perry in a little bit, but uh, I didn't find it gratuitous. I didn't find the movie itself to be gratuitous, whether it in its violence, uh, its humor, its language. No. Uh, I found it to be very safe. For um for what it's worth while worth while we're still on April uh, yeah. Serenity uh, Q twenty six who's joining us uh, live and on YouTube which uh, if you guys don't know you can always tune in live on uh, Friday afternoons Hi Serenity um, and they, uh, they're saying that April uh, in the current cartoon um, is trained in in ninjutsu uh, so she is a fighter um, but they're not I don't think they've clearly they clearly haven't gone with that version of the character in these movies no. yeah. <laughs> But thank Maybe you eventually. For that. That's a great comment. Absolutely. And Look, thanks for listening. Let's talk about Vern. Okay. Only because I mean, you know, he 
he, he was such a fun, he, you know, uh, some people liked them, some people didn't like it. I actually liked them a lot in the first one. Sure, me um, too. And maybe that's because I'm a huge Will Arnett fan, and I love his uh, kind of bumbling uh, dialogue in general, whether mm-hmm. it's Job from Arrested Development or whatever it may be. Um, so I always enjoy seeing him and, and just in this regard where he's hailed as, as a hero, but not really. Um, I, I thought it was a lot of fun, and then when he actually has to live up to it, Right. Uh, you know, I, th- I thought that, that was a good arc for him in general. Yeah. I mean, Will Arnett, too, you know, it's hard to not pay attention to that voice and cadence, mm-hmm. which makes him so funny to begin with. And he plays that role of I'm a man's man. And it's that's on parody. It's done on purpose. He's funny. He's a funny guy. I, I like, you know, I, I enjoyed the fact that they let the audience know. There's an arrangement, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the mere the main fact this movie's called Out of the Shadows is because our, our heroes in a half shell are still in the sewers. They haven't made themselves public because they're afraid of the ridicule that will happen with that. And with making the arrangement with Vern, they couldn't have picked a better person to do it. And he was going to ride that way for as long as he could. And I just everywhere he went, he goes, yeah, you know me, I, I got the keys of the city. You know, I'm like, oh, you're that guy. <laughs> and it's great. It's funny. The the physical comedy that they gave him too, um, just the whole he's got to retrieve um, the footage or whatever, and he's tracing the the wire, mm-hmm. and just the physicality of it to come back to the same entry point. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 just, it just played really, really well. Yeah. And he plays so well. He, like he he understood it and he knew how to play right. that. I was yeah. Like oh yeah okay yeah. Here it is. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah. In, in the scene where, um, and that was like a really funny scene when they're deciding what part of the mission to take. Am I going to face off against these ninjas or am I going to go do this? And it's like Casey Jones says, oh, well, you, you, would you rather? And he's like, he's looking, no, no, I'll, I'll go do that. <laughs> he just, he will wimp out when necessary for him to wimp out at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of uh, our character Vern? Uh, I I mean he was fun. Like yeah. he sir he did he did what he needed to. Yeah, he's a good like in, in a it's not really a movie that needs comic relief, but he did serve that purpose. Yeah, on the human um, side of yeah. things. Yeah, I mean it was fun. Like because the things he was involved in, like this stuff at the Knicks game where he's just getting like spitballed in the face. <laughs> like I was la- I was laughing. Like yeah. and that's like it, it's part of what made it a great way to start. The movie is there, the Turtles' relationship with not just April, but also now Vern, and that they have, like, sort of a contentious but friendly, like, rivalry sort of thing going right. on with them. Yeah. It was good. I enjoy I enjoy Will Arnett. He's a good, he's a good actor. Yeah. He's, he's fun funny. to watch. He's definitely fun to watch. Indeed. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, some of the recast people. Um, the Shredder. They've not only recostumed them, but they've recast them. Brian T., um is now the shredder um but let's let's first talk about the costuming because one of the things that from the first one that they learned very quickly was that people didn't like the over the top i mean that 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 costume in the first one was just it was just a little bit too much didn't bother me i mean you know if you're gonna bring it into today it didn't bother me as much but in this one you understand why it was a uh, well let's just say subdued i mean he was coming out of prison he's not gonna have his costume on he's got a 
you know, redo this costume. He wasn't under his helmet the entire time. Um, you know, definitely, I think for for Shredder, I, I mean, to see him out of his mask for such an extended duration, like what that was new. The, like that's all new. You know, I liked his new blades and and how that was used. I was fine with what they did. I, I didn't complain from the last time, but I liked. Well, you know, the, the the suit, right? In terms of costuming, yeah. um, it says. Uh, gray black spiked armor it's based off of um the 2003 uh teenage mutant ninja turtles so that's why they kind of you know and and, and again but they knew very much so they went in complete opposite way they had to dial it down mm-hmm. um because of that first one yeah uh my only thing with him uh you know i don't mind necessarily the recasting obviously this movie was recast quite a bit um and we'll talk about tyler perry but you know it, it I wish he had a little bit more to do, at least at the end. He was just such a pawn he to was, Krang. He was like Boba Fett. The next thing you know, he's like taken out of the action. Seemingly, well, he's just gone. <laughs> and he was pretty, he was dispatched pretty easily. And I thought they would kind of do like a teaser where like, you know, he's still, you know, a lot. Like, you know, because there's that whole passage of time. And if you're not thinking about him, then he's just completely gone from the movie. Right. And I think, like, this is where, the, you know, if there is a sequel, this is where it's kind of helped because Treader's still just frozen. Right. I I know I stayed to the very, 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 very end to see if there was going to be a Shredder button. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I could have gone. I could have. You mean I could have left for the bathroom 10 minutes earlier? <laughs> it, it was sort of, it was a little sudden. Yeah. Like, when they when he froze. I'm like, I don't mind, like, the beat of him just getting frozen and stored in Krang's uh, vault in the Technodrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would have maybe been more powerful had the turtles gotten there and like they're there and Shredder and maybe he's like going after them and that's when Krang freezes him. He's like, I don't care about your squabbles and stores him at that point. Um, so it becomes like, oh, you thought that was the boss? No, right. Krang is the boss. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I w- that would have been an interesting way to do it. But I mean, the again the beat makes sense of Krang just sure. like betraying him and storing him absolutely and for for like the simplicity sake of like for the younger audience like you betray your guy you betray Baxter and you get betrayed as well right yeah, yeah. I, I agree um, you know I I, do, I I I got it but I think um, I again for me I still would have liked to see just a little bit more something out of Shredder just just in that way just a but. little more yeah I mean again he he so long see ya he was yeah he was he was dispatched pretty quickly I yeah. thought there was gonna be more of him in the fight I thought so too I mean you you know he this time around he he has a lot of his minions do a lot of the work and he's always he, Shredder's always been this one to complain about like things not getting done correctly. And then, right. you know, in the first movie, the, the 90s version, that's where he says, I go myself. I finish right. this, whatever yeah. he said. Um, and so that kind of became the staple of who he is as a person and, and to kind of just let <laughs> P-Pop and Roxy, who he knows, just absolutely ridiculous, right. uh, do his bidding. Um, I, would, I would like to see a little bit more out of him. Same here. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Make uh, your own turtles Make movie. your own turtle that's movie. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> You know what? I will with real turtles. <laughs> It'll be real boring. Um, which, by the way, you know what? Shout out the check out. Um, th- there's a great YouTube channel called Film Theory. It's actually pretty fun. He talked about could there be real mutant ninja turtles in New York, 
<laughs> and while highly unlikely, he he actually states how how it could happen. So worth checking out. Well, I'm sure there are many a turtle in the sewage uh, system of New York, as Listen, well as a lot what? of other things. Like watch alligators. that episode. <laughs> you gotta start by looking for giant dandelions Absolutely. in the middle of waste sites. Sure, that's, that's how you know. <laughs> that's how you know. Um, all right, let's let's talk Tyler Perry um, as Doctor Baxter Stockman. Um, I didn't mind him. I just thought he was. Here's the thing. Like, I, I thought he was doing a Medea bit. I always like Tyler Perry better when he's not doing his own movies. No offense. Uh, like in Gone Girl, I thought he was. Oh, he was ex- he's an actually a good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. Uh, outside of the fact that you know his motivations for being in this movie were his kids. Mm-hmm. He wanted his kids. Uh, he wanted to do something that his kids liked. His kids would. Uh, he'd be able to show to his kids. You know, I he's he's yeah he's he's such a worked on many. I should just I worked on many Tyler Perry movies, and and he is a man that just does not sit still. Mm-hmm. And you know, he between his television shows that he produces and the movies that he directs, writes, and produces, and his one man stage shows that he writes and produces and directs and. You know, then he wants to branch out a movie, so he's in Gone Girl. He he played a bit part uh, in, in the first, in the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. You know, having him show up here, he sort of sticks out a little, but, you know, he didn't, I understand why he's in it. And, hey, listen, if it, if he's on board and he's having a good time, which I read in interviews, he said, oh, you know, he approaches this, in a way, because these aren't the movies that he makes. He doesn't make big budgeted movies. He doesn't make Gone Girl. He doesn't make Star Trek movies. His movies are geared to a particular audience. They're done on a low budget. So for him, he even says, it's an opportunity for me to learn. Mm-hmm. I go on to the set. These aren't sets that I ever uh, ever deal with, work with. So I get to work with these creative people, and I see how they do it, and I, and I always learn. Will there ever be a Tyler Perry action movie? Who knows with this guy? Because he's always thinking, but I just like that. I don't. I don't care if it's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. I want to be in it. My kids will be happy, and I'm. I'm gonna come out of it, and I may learn technique, craft. How do you deal with a big budget movie like this? I respect that in the man that he. He's a man that people can say he's reached his top, but he wants to learn more. I. I you can't disrespect that. I can't. I. I you know. I can't. Um, the only thing. He's just such a noticeable person. Um, that that's what becomes slightly distracting. And, and again, how do you? I don't know a solution for that. Yeah. In terms of what he can do for that. Yeah. You know, obviously the, the from a studio side, you just recast it. But right. Again, that doesn't benefit him. Yeah. So you know, in his laugh, I, you know, he said he came up with that on his own, um, and 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 he didn't. When he came up with it, he said, "Oh, I'm going to stick with that. That's it." You know that that Baxter. What's the the last name of that character. Baxter Stockman. Yeah, Baxter, Stock, Baxter Stockman, who plays a part in the cartoon, at least I know of. And he was fine. You know, it's, I understand, you get why he's doing it. So. Zach, what's, because uh, I forget, what's Stockman's kind of backstory? And I know he, he like, mutates, right, or something. Um, I don't I have to look up. I don't remember if he... He does end up mutating. But he is, like... I mean, in the... Again, like, I haven't read the old comics in so long. It's huh. the modern run. He has a fly form. Um, the fly form, right? And I always... I don't know. I always found that 
part of the storyline to be annoying in the cartoons, which is probably why I just don't like Stockman as a character. Yeah, he felt in the, in the again in the modern run, which is the la- like the more recent thing that I've my recent turtle experience was reading that. He is a scientist again. I don't. I'm a little behind on. It. I'm not sure if he's taken fly form yet. I mainly remember that now. I've, but now it's all coming together because I've. Uh, I just have that the the video game thing uh, in my head. It's like Big Apple, 3 a.m. <laughs> if anyone who, who grew up playing Turtles in Time remembers that that one sound effect. Absolutely. By the way, for anyone who wants to know, I'm stuck in 2003. <laughs> Any references post to I like I don't know I don't know I'm, I know everything prior to two thousand three. So, so. It, listen for 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 Tyler Perry this is you know potential sequel for him to potentially be in um, you know when he finds the time to fit into his schedule you know he he does stick out but you know so long as he's not wearing a Medea dress. <laughs> It's, it's oh, fine that he likes be. to that he likes to branch out and whatnot. And and to your point, he was he was really much better than I would have anticipated in Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really I mean that, that showed really he, he, he can act. Yeah, he can act absolutely, absolutely. For whatever it's worth, I would love to see Tyler Perry play the fly version of <laughs> Master Shockman <laughs> in what I'm assuming will eventually be the third movie in this franchise. As of now, that's, he said. You know, he, he said he's be down, yeah. and if he is down, then he says that's the natural progression of his character. So, um, you know, whether that's as a revenge story against Shredder for having him taken right. away, whatever, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I, Kaari, the basically the right hand person of Shredder. Mm-hmm. Um, she's another one that got recast. Um, not 100% sure why, but um, but this time around, it's Brittany Ishibashi, um, who herself was a, a fangirl of the character. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I thought she did fine for this role. She was fine. I mean, if I'm correct, she seemed to have a little bit of a lesser role in this movie than that character had in the first movie. I don't even remember her. I mean, I, I remember her I remember, in the early parts, right? Because they were she was the one responsible for the containers and so right. forth. But after that, I, I don't yeah. remember her much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, and, and Brittany's stepping into this, and again, when you're replacing somebody, yeah, you you step into this role, and she played it fine. She was, you know, again, it would have been. I and I understand, you know. So me saying this, like. What, is, what more is she going to lend to this story? This is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story. You know, she's a henchman. Um, she's not necessarily a foot soldier, but she's just a henchman who... We can work our way to the leg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she was fine. She was, yeah. she was, she was good. Uh, let's talk about the police chief, Laura Linney. Um, that was my biggest surprise. Why is that? Just because, like, she didn't do so well or just because of the, the clout of the, of the actress? I guess because... Be- not because she didn't do so well. I was just, I didn't know that she was in this movie. Mm-hmm. That almost seemed like I knew Tyler was in the movie because I think he's in the trailer. I don't recall seeing her in the trailers. And if she was, it com- completely went over my head because when I saw her, I'm like, wait, I know her. Wait, she's in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> I said, well, good good on her, I it, guess. It yeah. threw me off so much. I was like, I don't. Is that like I was so confused uh, until the too. credits? I was like, "There's no way that's actually Laura Lynn." I was the same way. 
Same way. I, I wonder if, like, I, I, she was another character I just felt was so just not well written in terms of, like, I, I just this and not even that like this is a an established character just like they treated her like she was dumb like she this is a character not playing to the top of her intelligence like not even like dialogue wise like oh she's not she's talking like in a, a child or an adult like she just like was not behaving intelligently as the chief of the chief of police in a city where shredder just like laid waste with like his foot clan and everyone's aware and you're one sole surviving member of like clearly an attack where your trucks blew up tells you there were ninjas attacking the place i feel like you listen to him not fire him yeah well you could be crazy so you never you know you, you know never. i again you know they were totally writing broad strokes here mm-hmm. you know she plays that 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 chief of police role that's not going to listen to Casey Jones, you know, who wants to be a detective and he mouths off and she's like, oh, you know, I want to be a detective. And she's like, yeah, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, so like th- this movie characterization wise, and again, I forgive it because I'm talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was just to me, like you said, it was just a shock to see her. And it took me out and I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even know. Wait, is that really? Wait, who is she? Well, here's how she in this movie. Here's what she says. She she has a quote that says this, and it's not particular to this um, movie, but it's just a general quote of hers that says, "Go work. It doesn't matter what it is. Work begets work. Just go." Yeah. So I, you know, I mean, going off of that philosophy, you can see why she ended up here. Yeah, there were worse projects she could have taken, and you know, I didn't dislike her at all. It sort of just took me out for a moment because, again. Unless I miss something in the trailers, which is a possibility, I didn't go through them, you know, with a fine-tooth comb. It was a surprise to see her in this movie, and like Zach experienced, it sort of kind of took me out for a second. Going, wait, is that who? Wow, okay, that's they got you know caliber. What did you think? I th- I thought she was fine. You know, um, to me, she didn't. You know, she didn't add or take away anything. Sure. She was she was a neutral yeah. character. Yeah. Um, but Bebop and Rocksteady, those you couldn't have uh, not known about in right. this movie. And I was super excited because, uh, you know, I am a WWE fan, so Sheamus in this movie to me was fantastic. Um, I did find it hilarious when they called him Finnish because he's clearly, they call, he's, he's not Finnish. He's, he's from Ireland. He's Irish. Right. But, you know, they, they, they say he's finished because he finishes everything. He finishes. <laughs> um, and, Zach, you, you and I were talking about it, and you had a get kind of good perspective on it where they just they just let them be as dumb as possible. Yeah, I mean, they were just, they were silly. Like, that's what those characters are, like, most fun when they're, like, <laughs> like those characters when they're just behaving like stupid, stupid gangsters are fun. And, like, they, the fact that they, like, let them be the, like, 80s, 90s, versions right. of those characters like down to the purple like razor high <laughs> line right. glasses, the, the glasses and the mohawk yeah. like cl- this is clearly somebody who grew up like with the cartoon and loves the cartoon and wanted to adapt it like between bebop and rocksteady the way they behave the way that they're designed and the the turtle van like yeah, this the is turtle like van. you love this like the creators of this movie love this property yes. and you can feel like regardless of any like missteps maybe in like writing or like 
dialogue story. Like this was clearly made by people who love this property, and it shows. And, I, and as a fan, I can appreciate that. Yeah, and and bebop and bebop and rocksteady were all the, there were always those those henchmen, the bumbling henchmen, who always ended up losing at the end by doing something stupid and comedical, but they never got fired from their jobs. <laughs> They were, they were still the always the go-to guys. And the two actors, Stephen Farrelly and Gary Anthony Williams, who played them, I thought they played them great. Uh, they, they were like, And by great, I mean they were just fun to watch. Whether they were in human form, they were fun to watch. But then when they became Bebop and Rocksteady, it was like, hey, look at me. I'm fat. Do I look fat? Like That dialogue, it, it was, it, like to your point, totally from the cartoon – but it works. It works. And, and I like their introduction of their their respect and um, appreciation of Shredder. Yeah. Oh, dude, gotta say something. Yeah. And Mr. Great, big fan of your work. Yeah. I can't do the Irish <laughs> accent, but. Yeah, and at the same time, though, they, they, the movie gives them their sense of how strong they are. Mm-hmm. Especially that scene where they're chasing Casey Jones through the, uh, through the cars. And the cars are like, you know, you got a good sense of. Like their strength, as you did in the in the cartoon and in the video game too. They had some, uh, some you know, that they were tough opponents to take down in the in the earlier Nintendo games, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that stuff. It was fun. And and it, go yeah. ahead. They were they were silly. Like uh, it's silly. Like the mo- like we're like okay, we got to smash open this meteorite. So like what was it Bebop like grabs Roxy's head and just runs it into the meteorite yeah. <laughs> like what logic are you like how is that supposed to help but right. it's funny it's, it's funny because they're just so they're so dumb yeah so dumb absolutely it's great um before we talk about the techno drone and and uh, other quick plot points let's talk about the turtles right um you had mentioned yeah. dimitri their characterization i thought that's what worked really well in general they all had a drive and the way they split them up uh you know of of some wanting to be out of the shadows and, and others not. And obviously Leo versus Raph, that's always been an ongoing thing. And this time it comes to fruition. Um, the characterizations just in general worked really well, you know? Absolutely. My only nitpick was when they were introducing them, I was really hoping that, you know, uh, Michelangelo, a party dude, and, you know, that they went off of those versus, uh, you know, they put Michelangelo, pizza lover. Right. And, you know, so they didn't quite go with what they're known for. Probably do, yeah. You know, my again, I guess, and it's, a, it's just a minor complaint, too. There's got to be a time where, like, that first movie really did make it a point that... 90-90 version. The 90, yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah. the last movie really made it a point of banding these brothers together. Because there was so, in a sense... They each had their ideals and what the, how they wanted to do things, and it brought them together as brothers. So you sort of kind of figure that that's sort of kind of in the past. But, yeah, we come into this movie, and it seemed like they didn't come much farther away. Um, again, I, I know I'm talking about a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie and that eventually they're going to have to come together. They're brothers. we got to work together. I'm just not sure how much longer you milk that theme. There's got to be a time... Maybe in the next movie where they are cohesive, in a sense, you know, from a movie sense. Outside of that, I thought that the way that they were played, I got a great sense of 
the motion capture worked really well with their facial expressions and their eyes in particular, uh, and in their fighting and action sequences. They did, they did say um, what was nice around this time around was they, they knew what to envision now, the final product, because when you're first doing it, like, what the hell? Like, what's right. the end product? What am I going for? Yeah. And so now when you can at least a little bit visualize it and reverse engineer it, you're like, okay, I, I get what the end product is going to be, and I know how to act towards that goal. Mm-hmm. So. And they were doing such a good job um, that Megan Fox said that she had forgotten that they were in these mocap suits within the first 10 minutes of filming the first movie. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, says a lot to these people's, to their to the real actor's character. You know, I mean, because they're coming on to set. We're making a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We're going to do the best we can, but we're in these silly outfits. We want to have fun. But I think that's what the turtles are all about, too, is like, you know, having fun. And, and I think these actors from, from Jeremy Howard to Pete Plazak, uh, I believe uh, I'm forgetting. Oh, Noel, Noel Fisher, Fisher did a really good job. Uh, Alan Richson. The, you can tell that these guys on set, they spent so much time together that they really had a great camaraderie, both on set and off set. Yeah, and, and, and Jeremy, who plays Donatello, he always loved Donatello, so that was kind of, that worked out uh, for him. And um, Pete actually got to, um, who plays Leonardo, he, he not only got to do this time around the motion capture, but they utilized his voice, which right. last time around, it was dubbed by Johnny Knoxville. And I was half wondering, as I was listening to him, I was like, wait, it kind of half sounds like Johnny Knoxville, but is it Johnny Knoxville? And uh, I don't know, I, I, I can't, I like the fact that you know, he gets reward for putting in that work. Sure. Um, but hopefully it doesn't mean anything for Johnny Knoxville. Because so, I'm a fan of his, too. Yeah, maybe maybe it wasn't available, or maybe they just realized why. If we have a person who can do this, why do we need to farm out? No offense to Johnny Knoxville, but if you have your actor there, like, there's no need, and he's emoting enough, and he's giving enough to his core group and to Megan Fox and to Steven, why go out? That I mean, that's, I didn't notice a difference. Well, I think, they're, to me. The, like they're, I think they were banking on Johnny Knoxville's name, bringing a few more people into the theaters on the first round. It, and probably just, it didn't. So it was like, well, if he's not going to boost our sales, we might as well use the guy that maybe we liked a little more creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, because not, I don't know that Johnny Knoxville really brought anything next level. Not that he did a bad job the first time around, but nothing like he didn't elevate it. And correct me if I'm wrong. Was his the only voice? Yeah. That they didn't use in the first. Uh, well, I think Turtles S- movie? Splinter, just like with this one, right? It was motion captured, but someone else voiced it. Tony Shalhoub did Splinter. Okay. Yeah. So he he's not act. He's not in the. Okay. Yeah, he's not in the suit. Yeah. Um, as it were, yeah. I can't imagine him doing this, being Splinter in the, <laughs> in, the, in the mocap. Although I would, I would pay to see that. That would be funny. <laughs> Absolutely, that would be funny. And now that we're talking about like voicing too, I, I thought it, that that it was very interesting that um, there was a pl- there was a change in plans doing Krang's voice. Yes. Um, and according to LA Times, the film's antagonist was voiced by Brad Garrett. But uh, that wasn't that that wasn't the original voice for it. Who were they going with? Um, they were going with. He threw me for a loop. I have to go Sorry back to the page. Sorry about that. Um, Fred Armisen. 
was the person. Yes. He was to, to originally do that voice, and they couldn't, uh, they couldn't work it out. So they bring in Brad Garrett, who I thought, I, again, unrecognizable to me. I didn't notice that was... Yeah, I had no idea that no was Brad idea. Garrett. To I be mean, fair, he was in the movie a lot less this time so yeah. than, the, yeah. than the first one. For Krang? Krang's uh, voice? He yes. Krang, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it worked out. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the plot line because um, you know we've talked characters, but not necessarily plot. Let's talk about the whole uh, idea of bringing in the Technodrome and the, and the three pieces. Um, you know, obviously a very simple plot, but but I thought uh, a nice catalyst for all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and when the Technodrome, to me, when the Technodrome kind of finally is is assembling, I th- I, I thought it built up well towards that. Yeah, yeah it, it was fun. It was. A, I liked seeing the Technodrome. I think it was appropriately threatening yes. to the city that it gave them something to work against. I think uh, the setup for the hunt for the three pieces was a little silly and wacky, not necessarily in a good way. But uh, once it got it, it got the story going, and once that motion got started, it was it was good. It it served the purpose of driving the movie forward that it needed to. Yeah, I think that 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 journey getting to there, that's where I felt this movie was a little long. Mm-hmm. Like it there was a lot of the there's a lot of for lack of better phrasing downtime. Like there was a lot of dialogue searching for this where I wanted I was like, how can we condense it? How can we make this a little shorter? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, much like a comedy, doesn't need to be close to two hours. Um, you know, you could have made this an hour and 35, maybe an well, hour I think and 40. The, the irony is, right, so the movie is 135 million. The first one was 125. The first one came in at an hour and 40. This one comes in at around an hour and 50, so a million yeah. per, per minute. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's what it came- <laughs> It seems to come yeah. to. It didn't, I don't think it needed to be so long. We could have, I don't know how they would have gotten to that point quicker. I think there was but. ways. I mean, what, what I did appreciate, though, um, and what I loved about this was that, obviously, they, they had their quarrels, and they kind of were fighting. But then before they could really dive deeper into the fights, which would have been, again, it would have been too serious, um, Something happened, and uh, they had to be spurred into action, and then they kept just arguing during the action. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, it, that whole Brazil sequence, uh, you know, was was when it comes to fruition, where Leo's like, oh, you guys suck, you know, and I this and that, like, you guys ruined it. Um, so I enjoyed that, where, where, where they took the argument and put action behind yeah. it. But again, did they actually need to go to Brazil to film that? It's not like we got a panoramic view of beautiful Brazil. I was just like, wow, they actually went to Brazil to film that. Uh, I was like, okay, well, they, they, that that goes for hey, the listen, up and the budget. crew got to go to Brazil. <laughs> the, the crew got to go to Brazil. Yeah, tax breaks are good everywhere. Sure, sure they are. But uh, I, I, I can imagine that conversation. They like, could have gone to the Ozarks a, and called it Brazil. <laughs> I, <laughs> I imagine, especially on a film where, like, clearly there's a lot of, like, big studio involvement like they're like we get a tax break if we go to brazil i get that write that into the script (laughs) yeah and plus i haven't been to brazil in a while 
Somebody just Let's wanted go. to go to Brazil. Somebody just studio. wanted to go to Brazil. Yeah. They needed a good excuse to expense the trip. <laughs> yeah, and let's do it in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of all movies. They only did one sequence <laughs> there. So like they easily easily could have just been like, I wanted to go to Brazil. It's on my bucket Brazil. list. Yeah. Make it happen on one of our films. Yeah, I hear Rio's nice this time of year. Yeah, <laughs> not necessarily what I hear. Yeah, well. Uh, so. Well, they got to go and it ended up working fine. Uh yeah, I, I would have loved to see a little spend more time in the Technodrome. Mm. Um, I, that's more of like a fan thing uh, to see more from like Krang's forces. I think mm. would have been fun, like see the like the rock soldiers, or uh, more for for me if we'd gotten to see Mousers <laughs> in this, I would have lost it. That's like to see them the turtles fight little mouser bots would have been a lot of fun and I, you know and i'm not going to uh, I, I i agree with you like you had such a big build up to this and yes it it looked threatening and whatnot it was you know good special effects there it looked really good um uh i don't i'll bring it up now but it, this movie did look really good uh in in like the 3d premium large Screen they, 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 they took advantage of yeah. height and depth perception yeah. really well, they especially early on and, yeah. and, and during those moments as the well. The action, I find, wasn't overly blurry. I can follow it easy enough in, in, in regards to the Technodrome. When it was piecing itself together, it looked it looked really good, very well done. I, w- I agree with you. The, when you're building up to something that much... Let's let's tighten this movie up more so we can spend more time in the Technodrome. Let's not go to Brazil. Let's put more money so we're in the Technodrome <laughs> a little bit longer, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, well, the Technodrome was a green screen. People were like, ah, it's, uh, Brazil's a little bit nicer. That's true. I don't know. I actually, I, like, it, from a structural standpoint, I actually don't know that I needed more in the Technodrome. It was purely just as a fan. There was stuff that I, I would have loved to see. Um, but, but like I get like it because the whole thing where it's like forming and then them breaking it up before it has to form, that all worked for me in terms of like story. Like I I, I got it and it made sense and it was a very clear. If we do this, we win. Mm-hmm. Goal that just helped it move along without getting overly drudged down in unnecessary plot details. Like well, we have to find this room in the Technodrome right. in order to. It's just it was faster, but and and I get that. But you being as a fan, I'm sure that there are many other fans who would echo what you're saying. Like they would have liked to have seen maybe the mouse, the the mousers. Like I just think when you're building up to something so big, like it would have been nice just to see maybe a little bit more. But it didn't but have to be a half hour more. But I think know? that's where again I you know I don't mind it because. Um, that's where the third one could potentially do it. Sure, that's right? true. True. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it taking its time yeah. in that regard. Um, let's talk about Dave Green. Uh, you know, one of the things that Dimitri and I were joking about um, right before we started was uh, the boys got asked the question of what's Jonathan like versus Dave, and um, do you want to paraphrase the responses? Uh, yeah, it was actually yeah, it was uh, you know. Yeah, basically, they, it came down to one word. Uh, number one, they all felt awkward. And so there was a little bit of tension. And uh, basically, it came down to one word. And that word was kindness. And then the others sort of stammered for a moment as the reporters exchanged surprise glances. And they were like, really? Kindness? And Plosnik was the guy who says, well, I'll put it this way. 
Dave Green is 32. He grew up with the same guys, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Not that leaves him was much older, but he's from South Africa. Um, joking, they don't have TV down there. Like <laughs> so, they were trying to be, you know, they were joking around with it, but they did say. With Dave, what was communicated to us early on was how much of a fan he is and really gets it. And Fisher came back and said, you know, to be fair, uh, and I believe it was Fisher, you know, Liebman was put into a position where, you know, he had to make this movie. And like you said earlier on, it sounds more like he was under paramount constraint that he had to get A, B, C, D done. And had to put it forth this way, where it seemed that they gave Dave a little bit more leeway to make this more of a fan-based movie, get this back on track. Not that it ever was fully derailed, but um, it, it appears as if even the cast connected with Dave a little bit more than with Liebsman. You know, and they were and they were kind to Liebsman. They would they didn't say that he was a complete ogre. They understood the position he was in for launching this franchise. You know, which at the time, you got here's the other thing too. What does Paramount have? Like Star Trek, barely. But right. And but outside of that, like they within the past so many years have lost so much. So if they're quote unquote rebuilding franchises and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is it. And it's Michael Bay who they already have this relationship with via Transformers and such, you know, that first movie, they really focused time and attention to like, we need to really market the hell out of this and make this a hit. Cause we ain't got, we got nothing. They were putting more marketing. I feel even as a Star Trek person, they're putting more marketing into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles than they have thus far for Star Trek, and Star Trek is going into its 50th anniversary year. Like, this should be their Skyfall, but they were putting more money into this. I think maybe they think this needs more marketing. Um, I think that Star <clears throat> Trek, the audience is mostly already there um, because the, fir like, the first one was such a success. The second one, maybe a little less so, but still enough that, like, you're, I don't think you have people questioning whether or not they're going to go back for the third go-around. And, like, they still have some time to do that big final push. But I think this, because the, the first one had such a, like, at best lukewarm reception, if you were going to get people into the, into the theaters for, for uh, Out of the Shadows, you needed a lot of marketing to really sell what this was and why you should go see it. And, and let's face it, they've had a ton of marketing, but where I'm get, I hear what you're saying regarding Star Trek, but if you remember uh, when MGM Sony was marketing for Skyfall, that was James Bond's 50th anniversary. And to your point, yes, you're going to get the James Bond fans to go, but Skyfall, because of their marketing push, they actually made a solid movie. But in, in, Pure fact, their marketing push was so geared to this 50th anniversary that that really helped get more people who may not have seen a Bond movie in a while to go to the theaters. You know, I would expect on the same level that Paramount would, would, would showcase this Star Trek being 50th anniversary. And, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they spent a ton. I mean, there were crossover promotions, candies and fast food and... They were doing things. I, I felt they spent more money on this than they did the previous Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The only thing I didn't see on this one was uh, a pizza tie-in. Well, 
Well, I don't know about the pizza thing, but um, there, there is an article uh, in, in terms of the promotion where, and, you know, the question of a sequel comes up of like, okay, well, will there be a sequel? And um, th- there's a great article that says, yeah, regardless of how much money this movie actually ends up making, because of the toy tie-in and all the um, ancillary merchandise, yeah, you know, because it, that this movie fuels all that offset right. for Nickelodeon and everyone, more so for Nickelodeon's purposes rather than Paramount, but that's probably the reason why. Yeah. Also, advertising for this also ends up being advertising for their TV shows as well. Yeah. Because it just keeps people talking about the Turtles, and the more they do that, the more they sell everything from the comics to the TV shows to the toys. It's all marketing for the same right. basic product. Yeah. Was there a, uh, I, again, there's one thing I did not notice this time around because I think it was Domino's or could it have been Pizza Hut. It was Pizza Hut the, the first pizza time. Hut, yeah, it was the first time, but I didn't notice a pizza tie-in for, for this one, which I'm very surprised. Like, why wouldn't you like tie in with Pizza Hut again? I think or it's time. Was it Domino? What was the delivery guy? Was he dressed in a little bit blue? Um, in this one, it was a generic. It pizza was a generic joint. pizza. Mm. Um, yeah, and, it it, and just looking at the pizza, I'm like, no, that's that looks like good pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, from New York. I'm a snob. Yeah. Oh, pizza. you and me both. I'm not from New York, but being from the East Coast, I am a very I'm a pizza snob as well. I was just very of all the things that were crossing over into marketing wise, and I get you want to sell your merchandise. I was just really. Curious as to why I haven't seen a pizza tie-in, period. Yeah, but I agree. I, but I did see a lot of marketing on this movie. It I mean, was it, out there. It could have been as simple as the uh, Pizza Hut didn't get what the, they wanted. Uh, get, didn't get the response they wanted last time, and they just they couldn't agree on terms. Yeah, I, whatever the what case. What are they looking for? I mean, they were. Yeah, whatever the case may be, I figured if I'm part Paramount Marketing, I would do whatever it takes to get some pizza something. Uh, in this movie because we want to sell more pizzas too but um there's a there's a great video that uh dimitri had about motion capture that i want to kind of go to we won't play the full thing but we'll play um sort of the last bit of it um if you guys again want the the full video of it check it out um in our rundown there's links to various stuff and also uh behind the scenes videos as well that there's some you know there's not much to the, the the ones that i had uh, provided, but it, you're basically watching people just act. Yeah. Um, but this one is much more of an actual uh, edited version and, and, and whatnot. So yeah. anything else to add before we... Well, I was just going to say, look, I, I think as movie fans, we've all seen various behind-the-scenes footage of mocap, okay? Um, and, and how it's come through cinema and technology. What I found to be cool with this is that this one shows and again maybe it's not breaking new ground but we're seeing the layers upon layers of what need be done so we're seeing our actors in their costumes which are bulky costumes and then as you'll see as the video progresses well just watch the video and you'll know exactly what i'm All talking right. about let's hit it cameras on their head our performances have to hold up next to those live actors so when april or casey jones are, are standing there talking our turtles have to feel as real and as alive Yes, yes, yes! Ah! They are playing the scene, one of my favorite scenes, Is especially because rap. <laughs> nah, we just basically did a promo for it. There you go. 
Um, anyway, but check, yeah, check you, out the full video. That, if you watch that full video, you'll see some of the, you know, the technology involved, Actor the special and effects. What's and um, it, it, you get an appreciation. You know, Andy Serkis has made a career out of doing this. Um, and, you know, and he's probably, he's the standard. He's the high bar. And, you know, when you see these kids doing it, you notice that they take their time, attention to detail facial movements like they can't have their mouth open at a certain angle and they realize this and they're working together and just making sure that they're doing it right make sure that their eyes that we get to see their eyes and it just lends so much more to what what is happening uh, as we see that the, the these characters evolve you know it, they've come a long way since those costumes which again at that time those were that was breakthrough that they were they, they were puppeted costumes in a sense. So, you know, technology has made its course and it's uh, they're fully realized in these movies. I will always love the Muppet Turtles. The Muppet Jim Turtles. Hen- well, because Jim Henson's company was Same the one that here. designed them. So yeah. I, in my mind, they are Muppets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put them. But when you look at how they were articulated as well, they they really were brought to life and then they took them on stage shows they were on freaking oprah let's forget about those days <laughs> well i'm just saying they were like they would go to talk shows that's how popular the turtles were yeah i definitely time. attended at least one of those concerts there you go <laughs> or watched it on vhs i can't remember entirely but i know that i had i, I think i talked about this when we covered uh, on guilty movie pleasures we covered we watched we watched the secret of the ooze the uh. other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Um, and uh, I had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kazoo. <laughs> that was how deep the marketing was. I had a kazoo yeah. that was that was from, like, Turtles. Now, um, I, it was Secret of the U's because th- I, th- I think this is going to bring up a, a fun Easter egg. Secret of the U's was the Vanilla Ice, right? Yeah. Go Ninja Go. Go Ninja yeah. Go. And in this movie, they mentioned Vanilla Ice, I, you know, which was, which was really funny. I, I would, it would have been fun if they had actually brought him into the movie. <laughs> well, he showed up at the premiere. Yeah. Um, in the most, like, if you watch the video, it's one of the most awkward things because half the people in that theater have no idea no, who he is. And he's up on stage with, with like, three out of four, not all of the original Turtles, but three out of four of the original costume Turtles singing Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. <laughs> and it's just, like, really awkward for everyone. That's really funny. I will say this, just just while we're talking Vanilla Ice a little bit, Fox had brought him out at CinemaCon. Not that he's in a movie for Fox, but Fox did this great, elaborate, Vegas-style opening to their show, and they brought out Vanilla Ice. The crowd ate it up. I mean, he was... Yo, he, he's totally... Like he's embraced it, he was having fun with it. I was, I was expecting maybe a resurgence, but after your reception that you just described, oh, maybe not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> ice, ice, baby. You know, I think too. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, in some ways, it's good that this is getting its own life form. You know what I mean? Yes. Because I think, I, I think that that for me, you know, now I can separate these two sort of versions of sure. the characters you know and i can respect and appreciate both rather than be like oh the, the 90s movie it's it's the only one yeah so um 
All right. So we talked a lot about promotion. Let's, um, as we start to wrap things up, um, again, there's various things that due to time we always end up cutting, but let, let's talk about box office and reception. Um, it, it didn't do as well as the first one, obviously. It was projected to do between uh, 30 and 40 million. Um, ended up uh, opening weekend, what did it 35.3. So it, it, it came, came in, in the- number one. It did come in number one. Um, you know, it uh, currently, as of I believe yesterday's number, um, 44 million. Uh, thus far, uh, foreign 35, you know, they have a worldwide gross of 79, let's just call it 80 plus million dollars of a worldwide gross. What um, I was a bit surprised at was the budget in this movie, 135 million. Um, you know, when you're featuring all the marketing that they put in, the hard drives and the prints, and, and let's just say that this movie opened up, this movie opened up in over 4,000 locations. 4,071 theaters across the country domestically. That's a lot of theaters. Um, you know, you are, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money going out. You got to figure that their total budget, I'm going to say, is about 180, maybe onwards and upwards to 200. But at the very base, at least 180. So, you know, we'll see how it does. Uh, going down the pike in its second weekend and all there aren't that really right now there aren't that many kids movies so to finding dories it's coming coming. out it's coming so they have a little bit of breathing room but just to give you an idea um of the opening weekend growth that that first ninja turtle movie that that had come out opened up to 65 million that's uh that you know in this one 35 that's that's about half I'm not sure that the total domestic gross, the first one did $191 million. You know, we're at 46 right now. 40. It's going to be an interesting, it's yeah. going to be an interesting climb. You know, the, and just to give you an idea too, worldwide gross, the worldwide summary, Ninja Turtles, the first one, $493 million worldwide. That's a lot, that's, that's a lot of pizza. It's a yeah. lot of pizza going in, so you know it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this holds up uh, in the weeks to come and the direction they take if and when they'll announce that there's going to be a three. Everyone is signed off to do a third one, um, including um, uh, the guy who plays Eric Sachs. One of the things we didn't talk about um, that if we can just for a moment, like what did you guys think about him? Because he, he was signed on, and then we just don't get him in the movie. I'm glad because I, you know, I don't think we needed it. Who but, and who is that? Um, Zach, who played Eric Sachs? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll have to. What the hell is my... his name? Um, the the actor the the you know he he's the main villain apart from Shredder in the first one. Oh oh, the scientist guy. Yes. Okay. I know. Um, why am I blanking on who the actor is? I don't know, but we have Tyler Perry as our mad scientist. We got you that, but it, but it was made such a big deal. Um, there it is. Um, I hear is that you. William F- Fickner? That's yes, it. William Fickner. That's it. That's it. Uh, but it, it was such a big deal to have him in the first one, and he was signed for a three-movie contract, um, which, again, I just found interesting that 
he just wasn't in this one. Yeah. So. I mean, you already had a mad scientist. I don't know what you do with two mad scientists in this movie. And, you know, well, one's more bumbling than the other. Sure. You know, this one, he's a lot more serious and a lot yeah. more accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas so. Baxter is. Anyway. It, it makes sense. I mean, I don't think he was like, they signed the contracts like just in case. And then yeah. I didn't think you needed him in this movie by yeah. any, by any no. means. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm certainly. And especially glad. if you were changing tone, too, mm-hmm. which they clearly changed tone in this movie. In the first one. So it's just an interesting comparison to see, you know, what will out of the shadows, you know, what will out of the shadows end up doing and how is it going to change their future going forward? You know, with with here's the interesting part, right? This is this is like at this point, like the third movie um, in just a matter of two weeks, a minus on cinema score, rotten on Rotten Tomatoes with a 36. Yeah, I had 34 in Rotten Tomatoes, but yeah. Well, it might have gone up since yeah. last time. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those weird summers where audiences, you know, are not agreeing with what the critics say. However, it almost appears, too, that sometimes there is a faction of the audience that is looking at a Rotten Tomatoes and maybe not going to see the movie. But the people who are going are enjoying it. It's an A minus. Sometimes these movies are tough to do for a cinema score because you're act you're asking a twelve year old kid to, to 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 pull a tab as to whether or not he liked the movie and whatnot. But an A minus, you would think that that would be good word of mouth. But who are you getting that good word of mouth from? You know, are you getting it? You know, if dad is talking to his neighbor, said, "Yeah, I just took my kid to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles." I thought it was okay, or is he going to say, yeah, my son loved it. Go ahead and see the movie. You know, I was talking to a good friend of mine uh, just yesterday uh, who has uh, a 10-year-old son, and he, uh, he and I told him that I saw this. He says, oh, you think uh, Cannon will like it? And I said, yeah, if you like the first one, I think he's going to like this one more. I think it's funnier. And so, you know, he'll more than likely take his son to go see this movie. Very say. I wonder if, it, if it's something to do with... Um, <clears throat> If critics are being a little bit harder on these types of movies than they used to, um, I know for me, like just because we review movies, like I come down on them a little more because I've now seen more examples of when they can, like uh, they can be better. Like I've seen so many good examples, whether whatever age group they're for, like these adaptations and remakes like they can be fantastic and they can be great so i'm holding them to a higher standard now um i wonder if that's part of the critics being a little harsher and the audience pretty much staying where they were to to an extent i mean i don't know i always try to judge movies on their own merit and i also try to understand okay what what is the what is the goal trying to be accomplished here at the end of the day you know like this movie right we mentioned gone girl this movie is not trying to be gone girl and go after accolades upon accolades no no and and um can we look up uh if if it's easy to go on rotten tomatoes and look up what the first um the the one that uh, opened up in a couple of years ago and how that was received uh i I have a feeling if it was a little bit higher it, it, it might have been only like 10 points higher. I don't think it was even higher. Uh, so for the for the record, uh, the 2014 one got a 22%. It's lower. Versus 34% for this one. 
Uh, the original, <laughs> the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from 1990 had a 40%, and uh, mm. the sequel, uh, Secret of the Ooze, got a 33%. Fascinating. So, not a lot of critical love for the Turtles, regardless. And it's funny because the the first, the the one where the, the Henson uh, did the uh, the suits. I remember part of the reason I ended up going to see that movie was I did find some solid reviews saying, you know what, this is a fun, good family movie with a good message. That's the other thing, too. The Turtles, in one way, shape, or form, back in the... They, there was always a positive message to be had. This one, the message ship... Like, I'm not sure what... You know, yes, working together, being brothers... It's there. Um, those earlier ones, it, it was very blatant that this is a mm. message type, a positive message for kids to take home with them when they left the theater. So, you know, I have no idea. Critics seem to like this one more than they did the first one. Wow. We, I do. Um, but so, you're, to, to our point, to your point, we talked about this on Alice. Like, I don't understand... Like, what is the reason for really coming down? Unless this movie is just so god-awful. That it has no redeeming qualities. I don't know what you're expecting when you go in. Now, I would give this movie out of four. I would give it maybe two. Yeah, like, I was entertained. It didn't make me angry. Like, that is what... It didn't make me angry. I walked out and I said, yeah, well, I saw that. Didn't make me angry. I was entertained for close to two hours. It didn't suck. You know, I've seen worse movies. I will will tease this up. Uh, The movie we're about to do another dissection on, Popstar, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, and did even worse than this one. So I don't know what the... Do you want a good cinema score? Popstar dropped a lot. Did it? Uh, Right now it's sitting at a 76. Yeah. Yeah. We, I just checked it yesterday with Stephen Lemieux. Yeah. All right. Well. So I mean, so like I want to ask you too, Zach, being being you're a fan, I, Phil, you're you're a huge fan. I remember when the first movie came out. That I wanted to see the turtles. I, I like the I like the movies. You yeah. know. Um. I mean, again, I'm not. I didn't dive into the comics, and I've seen. You know, I can't recite every single episode there ever was. Right. Um. And unfortunately, I don't like the new. Episodes, I think they're too. I don't like the computer generated yeah. versions. Yeah, I just again, Zach, you're as a fan. Um, you know your thoughts. I wasn't as big a fan as it seems as either one. But again, I can't say I can't hate these movies because I've seen worse movies. I've seen worse kids movies. I mean, I don't, I don't hate these movies. They're not like they, they didn't. They, I, I've seen other movies, and I don't have any a good example to give you right now that have like just done terror like have not honored the the thing that I loved that I went to see this like again like the what I love about the turtles this was a a good representation of a version of them mm-hmm. I think if if I was like setting out to do like a turtles movie I would want to see something more like what I'm getting in the comics right now what I got in the very first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. the the movie um, that like sort of darker look at them because it can that can be a that, the turtles have that dynamic that they can be good they can be very interesting and very like they can be treated with like more storytelling respect it doesn't need to be schlocky storytelling like what we got in here and I think that's why it's getting negative reviews because while they're honoring the characters and the canon 
they're not giving them the opportunity to tell a good story. It, it looks like the studio just sort of was like, they saw the first draft and they're like, that's decent. Go make it. And not like, that was okay. Go back and fix these plot points that aren't working. Do another couple drafts and then we'll go into production, which is what they should be doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, fair enough. Well, you know, regardless of what you think, the movie's out there and I enjoyed it. So uh, I recommend it to, to, to you guys. Um, as we re- got this song. That's right, we did. As we wrap this out, um, I want to tell you guys that on Last Anatomy of Movie for X-Men Apocalypse, we mentioned to you guys that we would have John Ottman. We did have John Ottman in. Um, we, we did that interview earlier today, so check that out on popcorntalk.com. Uh, we did it as an iTalk Movies. Um, that way we can talk all things with John Ottman, not specifically just about X-Men Apocalypse. Um, definitely worth checking out. And uh, speaking of other anatomy of movies, check out all of them. We have over 250 things that we've done. You know uh, what I just got on Blu-ray uh, not too long ago? It made me think uh, uh, we just got in, uh, I just got in uh, The Finest Hours. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, remember we had such a great time in that podcast. So if you haven't seen that at the theaters, shame on you. Why didn't you? Because it looked fantastic on the big screen and even in 3D. But if you have the opportunity, should be on your on-demand or whatever, check the movie out and then check out our podcast for that because we had the Coast Guard here to talk about the actual rescue mission. So we are a great archival thing for whatever reason you missed it at the theaters. If you watch it on your home entertainment, you can come back and watch. Deadpool's out on Blu-ray. Zach's happy. I know that much. Oh, I bought that weeks ago. That's right. We're on a... Check out our anatomy of it. Anyway, we've done it all. Check out our first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles version. Yeah. We did anatomy for that. Um, Anyway, thank you guys for being with us at the Popcorn Talk. You can follow us there. uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, And check out our other videos. As Zach said, uh, Guilty Movie Pleasures did Secret of the Ooze, so definitely worth checking out. Then has Zach Wilson as well in it. In the meantime, D-Movies, 1701. Thank you. Yeah, support me on Twitter, please. Uh, And thanks for watching. That's right. And that, Zach Wilson. Uh, Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at that Zach Wilson. And if you're a big... uh science fiction fan uh stay tuned to popcorn talk in two in like a week and a half i'll be launching a new show uh sci-fi weekly with uh jesse klein uh we're gonna be talking about all the news and talk about every sci-fi thing we can think of because we're just nerding out hard that's so, right uh, this uh, um june 22nd tune in for that all righty nice. um that wraps it up thank you guys once again we'll see you next time on anatomy of a movie bye all Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.